worked on the project to launch the Halo controller. Okay. With ideal heating, super exciting project. Um, so smart controller, it came with a mobile phone application, easy connection to your boiler, things like geolocation, you know, being able to change your heating schedule um, on and off from your phone, or don't even touch your phone, or your controller and use geolocation that turns on and off how close you are to your house. Um, okay. How do you think IoT will evolve or change people's life at home or at work over the next 10 years? Broad question, isn't it? It's a broad question. Right, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Obviously, you said you struggled with stress, uh, uh, you know, or, or depression. Sorry, yeah, sure. at, yeah. at one point. And then, obviously, you mentioned you had a, a health ailment. Yeah. Um, that must be really difficult to to manage those two and your job. And yeah. How did you do it? Do you know? I look back and. Hi, I'm Steve. I'm the digital director here at Spectrum Group. Welcome to the podcast. As usual, I'm joined by John Vanoom. I'm also joined by special guest, Tom Lynch, who's a SaaS team leader at Siemens here in Hull. We've had a great conversation about IoT, about him learning his career as a product owner, and about mental health in the workplace. As usual, please like, subscribe, and share. We really do appreciate all of your help. With all that said, welcome to Tomorrow's Workplace today. Thank you. Um, so, trying to give us a bit of bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, a bit about your background. Sure thing. Yeah. So, I'll uh, you, you, you tell me when I need to stop talking. Okay. Right? Well, so, yeah. Yeah. So, I um, I grew up in Whitby. Um, I came to Hull two thousand and six okay. uh, to, to to go to university, study physics. I graduated in two thousand and nine. Um, I just stayed here after that. Uh, career wise, I started at Smith and Nephew. Okay. I stayed there for like five years. Um, and I went to Crown Paints, um, and then went to Record Benkiza, or Abbey, as it's now known, okay. um, and then Ideal Heating, um, owned by Group Atlantics, around the corner. Um, and now work at Siemens uh, Digital Industry Software. So you just got a list of the biggest companies. Oh, I was just about <laughs> to say that is a Rolodex of all the yeah, top yeah. businesses in That's the what I'm trying to do, yeah. So yeah. Arco next, Spectrum. The Spectrum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good, go to Spectrum first. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, well, welcome. Uh, one of the things that obviously in the podcast we talk about lots of different technology. Um, one of the areas that I know you've worked on in the past which we haven't touched on yet, is IoT. Sure. So, for beginners, imagine you're talking to John. So, uh, IoT, just as, what what is IoT to start with? Keep okay. it at a very high level. Sure, so IoT, Internet of Things, which is yeah. a super wide-ranging name, right? So, um, But generally, when someone asks me that, I point to anything that you might even have in your home, like Alexa, or smart light bulbs, or anything like that. That's all IoT, right? Yeah. When it comes down to consumer level, that's where you need to look at. That's IoT. So any anything that is connected to the cloud that can send data, either way, um, you know, anything that you can control from devices that you might have in your hand or your home or your television, that's all IoT. But it's all in industry as well. So IoT might have sensors connected to uh, machines building things, uh, sending live data back and forth, and you're able to look at that data and share it um, and see what's going on live with any machines. Excellent. And it's more and more IoT is popping up everywhere, both in our homes and in, in industry as well. Absolutely. Yeah, you see it, you see it for yourself. Like you say, anything, everything to do 
with your house yeah. is is as I get saying, yeah, smart light bulbs, smart plugs, smart cookers. I was in Ren Kitchen the other day, we're getting a new kitchen at home. Smart cooker hoods. Wow. Smart coffee machines. I haven't seen the smart cooker. No, I, don't, I, don't I don't need know. to be telling my wife about that. That'll add a bit of value to the yeah. uh, budget. So I was fascinated. Smart, what does a smart cooker hood do? I mean, <laughs> you can you can judge for yourself whether it adds value or anything to your home, but it, it, you can basically turn your cooker hood on and off through your okay. phone, okay. through Alexa. You can put it on a timer, so you might leave it on and put it on a timer and it sends itself off. Or... Sounding gimmicky to me. Do you think over-engineered? <laughs> yeah. My dishwasher's now, yeah, and my wife was like, yeah, don't need that. Just you know, press the on button. And I was like, mm. yeah, I can kind of see that. But I can also see the advantages of setting it off you know, an hour before you get home so everything's clean and... More therapy. Right, got it. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just going back to IoT in industry and what what were you using it for? What did you implement it into to, to you know, sort of add value to the product or the sure. service you were using? Sure. So when I was at Ideal Heating, um, we, we, it was more consumer-based as opposed to industry-based. So... Um, you can see on my LinkedIn profile, I worked on the project to launch the Halo controller okay. with Ideal Heating, super exciting project. Um, so smart controller um, to, to rival things like Nest and Hive and things, right? Okay. So yeah, it came with a, um, a phone application, mobile phone application, um, you know, easy connection to your boiler, um, things like geolocation, you know, being able to change your heating schedule. Um, on and off from your phone, or don't even touch your phone, or your controller and use geolocation that turns on and off how close you are to your house. Um, okay. You link it to Alexa. Um, so yeah, I was I've got it at my house. We can just say Alexa, turn the heating on, turn the heating off, set it to twenty-two degrees. Not in the current climate we're no, in. No, clearly, clearly, clearly. <laughs> set, it, set it to nineteen. I'll turn it off generally. Yeah. Yeah. Morning. Yeah. Wife is putting yeah. it on. It's <laughs> a good feature that I like. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. So yeah, all of that good stuff. Yeah, so that was a that was super. That's something I'm really, really proud of as well. You know, it's like I say, I put that right up from on my LinkedIn page. You know, because it was a really yeah. project. Yeah. yeah. Talk, talk us through the development of that then. So, right from I guess first day on the project job, whatever it was, yeah. through to getting it live and, and kind of how you built on that? Yeah, I was, I, you know, we were talking beforehand, it was my first venture into working on software projects, right? Um, so yeah, the, the so day one was like, we need, we want to launch a new um, control uh, for, for Ideal Boilers. There was already one out there, uh, but it was time to iterate and move on to the next gen technology. So it was starting from, you know, th there was a bit of work done beforehand. So it was like, look, what, what have we got now? Um, what is what's the next gen technology? What can we add into it? What can we, uh, you know, make it a, a better product? Um, so that's where we were. But we were essentially left with a blank slate of right. Let's go. Let's go do it. Let's make the best controller we can. So did they have an IoT product already, or was it? They had an IoT product already. Yeah. Okay. So there was a controller called the Touch Controller out there. Okay. Um, so yeah, it was just like right. We've got that. Um, let's go to the next one. Then. Been okay. on for a while. That's was good. it building from, from ground up or did you take what was already there and iterate it? No, it was building from the ground up, yeah. Okay. So it was like, look, we've got this now, but let's ground up. It's a, it's a new team okay. as well. So it's a specific IoT team into Ideal, which was new for them at the time. Okay. Um, yeah, and, and, and that was it. So good ground up. Um, you know, there was, there was specific people brought into the team to, to, to do this well as well. Um, okay. So people with past experience of 
heating controllers, IoT, um, you know, specialist people who understand the, the previous controller and boilers, how boilers work. Because okay. it's, it's a lot of interesting to <laughs> boilers, right? Um, so yeah, yeah. so it, was, it was a good thing. But yeah, it was right, start from the beginning. So build a new application. There was already a mobile phone application. So it's yeah. like, right, start again, brand new application, brand new hardware. Um, let's get a designer in and go, right, what, what does the controller want to look like? Does it need to be round, square, triangle, rectangle, you know? Whatever. So it was a whole design phase of what do we want this thing to look like, both for the hardware and for the software. Quite, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So we started with with hardware, and then it went on to UX UI. You know, what okay. what does the what what do people want from a controller? Okay. Um, generally, people want it to be easy to understand, right? Yeah. Because yeah. um, you know you've got a whole range of people that are going to use this in the home. Um, you know, you've got really old people, you've got young people into super into tech, you've got the middle of the road people are just like, I just want to turn my heating on. Yeah. So no one's <laughs> no one's to faff around with a really complex controller. But again, luckily some really good people in the team who who've done that type of thing for years, specifically on heating controllers. So what, what was your role within that team? Uh, so I was brought in, so sort of multifaceted role it turned out to be, um, was was product owner on okay. the app development side. Um project manager on the waterfall side. Okay. Um, at some point, uh, I was the team leader as well. Um, so yeah, multifaceted role, which okay. good. And it was your uh, first experience of being a product owner? So yes, right? absolutely it was, yeah. Okay. And so for people listening thinking what the hell's a product owner, what, talk us through what that role looks like. Yeah, interesting. So product owner, the, the main thing is to be able to um, articulate um, the requirements of the product to the development team basically yeah and make sure that all the requirements are prioritized and sort of um easily understood to to everyone so that's the people who are receiving the product the people who are developing the product the people who are testing the product yeah. right um and like i say prioritization as well so it might be you know there's a feature whereby you know right we need to we need to connect this to alexa right but there also might be a feature that is um, maybe less important, like uh, you know, when you know when the heating goes off, it needs to be you know it needs to be an animation of boiler man or something. It's like well, that's probably less important than say the electric <laughs> yeah, yeah. thing, right? Um, so you need to go through that and be able to articulate that all the way through. So that's to your developers, to your customer, and probably to management as well. Mm. And that must have been difficult for you going into a product owner role, having not been a product owner before, and in a new industry, new new product type. So yeah. how did you I guess how did you get yourself up to speed on all of those learn things? on the job? Yeah. Yeah, it was it was very much that it was learn on the job. It was sort of um uh, just chuck myself into it and, yeah. and, and, and trust the process, right? So it's not something I'd done before. I was I'd done many years as waterfall project manager, so okay. I was really confident doing that. That's all, you know, that was bread and butter at the time. This was very new, very different. But it's just chuck myself into it. Um and like I said before, we worked with Source. Okay. I mean, that's well documented. Um, and there's some really good mentors there that helped me help me learn how to be a product owner and learn about the agile process. Yeah. And then obviously, you know, a bit of, bit of reading in the background, you know, a little bit of uh, a little bit of training, online training, and things like this. But the beauty with agile is, you know, just dive into it and go do it because mm -hmm. it, it, it's it's pretty logical, really. Once you get into it, yeah. There's a lot of skills that you need, but once you get into it, it makes a lot of sense. And it's continuous improvement. Exactly, right. Keep continuing. 
Exactly. Hi guys, I just want to jump in and talk about a specific area of automation which we often get involved in, which is the processing of supplier invoices or accounts payable automation as it's also known. Most businesses have invoices that they get sent from their suppliers. Essentially what our solutions do is they read those invoices, they extract key information from them, like purchase order numbers, supplier codes or supplier names. We then use that information and match that up against digital records. So can we find a purchase order number? Can we find a good receive note for that product? If we can, then we can match it up, we can reconcile it, and we can automatically post that into your finance system. What makes us different is that we configure our solutions to be specific to your organization. So we're not an out the box, plug it in and see what you get. We actually understand more about your processes, your organization, your supplier base, and we configure the solution to meet those requirements. Hopefully that's enough to pique your interest. If it is, get in touch, let's have a chat. And so from, from day one on the job thinking, right, I'm a product owner, um, to delivering a product, how, how long did that take you to get a minimum viable product out into the market? Gosh, you're testing me now. Um, I think probably from day zero, I think it was about, I mean, we had several different launches throughout mm. the life cycle of that project, right? But from day zero, I think it was around 18 months okay. when we got like an MVP on the market. And then yeah. after that, it was like, rolling different releases of different product iterations or different types for different boiler setups and different customer requirements. Yeah. And, and during that 18 months, how often are you having to report back to your bosses, to the, I, I guess, to the board, the sponsors of the project? Oh yeah, all, like very, very regularly. It was a high profile project, you know, yeah. everyone's eyes on it. <clears throat> um, so yeah, very regularly, yeah. Um, you know, early days when it was still new, um, it was like, you know, pretty much weekly, like, right, what's going on? Um, but then, you know, you go into the standard cycle of standard reporting on projects anyway, where everyone reports every month, yeah. a standard project report. Um, but, you know, on something like that, it's like, right, every week, what's going on? How are we doing? You yeah. know? Um, but then once, you know, once people build confidence, it's a bit like, right, okay, well, we can see, you know, we can see you making progress, you're doing well, you know, it starts to peter out a little bit, right? And what about, um, obviously, because you've said ground zero, clean slate, just build us this new product. Did, was there a deadline? Because often in trying to get things to market, you're either trying to beat a competitor or you're yeah. just trying to get ahead of the game and yeah. you know, get a jump on people. You said that it took 18 months to get to that first iteration of you know, going out to market. Yeah. From a project timeline, what what was it? Did, you know, was there a timeline that you had to achieve it in, you know, Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Again, you know, the 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 management team are like, look, you know, this is this is when we want things done by. Um, right. Things things don't go perfectly; they never do. Right. But largely, we delivered what we needed. There was challenges along the way for sure, but yeah, absolutely a deadline, and that's where you know that high level focus is, or the high level management focus is like, right, we need weekly updates on this because it's really important that we get a product out there. Yeah, especially with. Um, heating company because as you know what's logical is there are heating seasons yeah we know this you go into winter yeah that's your heating season and you want something out prior to that so you can sell it uh, all the various shows and things and then you're ready for winter to go is our cool new product and it's launched right so that's interesting so did the deadline drive the definition of the mvp or did you go into this thinking i know what my mvp looks like it looks like x and once we built x that's when we'll go live or was it we're going live then whatever we've got we go with I think there's, I think the beauty of Agile, the way we've looked at it is, it's a bit of give and take on that, right? Mm -hmm. So for sure, the deadline drives 
what you can achieve as your MVP for sure. But there's a bit of give and take to say, is there a bit of leeway in that deadline to say, well, there's all these cool features you want. Mm. And perhaps the MVP isn't everything that you want. Do you want to push out a little bit and get a bit more in for your MVP? Or do you want to wait for a, an iteration after that to say, here's some cool new features sometime later? Yeah. So there's a bit, there's all that give and take. Right? And that's part of the skill of Agile and doing Agile is having those conversations with yeah. your, uh, your customers internally to say, look, you know, here's the deadline, here's the MVP, or can we go a bit further and get more on that MVP? I always think as a product owner, the most difficult job is managing stakeholders because everyone's got a different view of what they want and what the priority should be. So Absolutely, yeah. How did you handle that? How do you handle it? Um, it was tough at first. I, I can't lie. You know, it was there was a lot of uh, different opinions, a lot of strong voices as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, from from stakeholders, but it's building up that confidence to be able to um, articulate what's going on and you know perhaps why things because again you'll know working in in sprints you know one sprint might go amazingly mm-hmm. and then you do more than you planned potentially and another sprint might go badly because you hit hit an issue in testing or you hit an issue in development or some requirement perhaps um wasn't built out as well as it could have been um so you've just got to be able to articulate that back to management and say look this is what's going on and you've got to trust the process mm-hmm. yeah. um but it is difficult, and especially if you've got a company that's used to working in waterfall and going, look, you know, we're used to going, here's a deadline, here's a specification, and we're going to get everything in that specification. Um, whereas with Agile, it's like, look, we've got we've got a deadline, we've got an MVP, and we're going to do this iteratively. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's interesting, but I think it's a lot of confidence and just being able to communicate to high level managers and say, look, this is this is what's going on, this is why. Um, you know, we're still going to achieve X, Y, Z. Yeah. And on that, how easy is it to communicate? You know, because I'm guessing high level managers aren't completely okay with Agile and, and, and how it's going. So that, that must, you know, there's an internal sale there as well as to look, trust us, we're, we're following a process. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to hit some, you know, roadblocks, we're going to hit some bumps, but, you know, it's, it's a process and we're, but when you're at high level, it's like, I don't really care about that. I want my product and I want it on the market, on exactly, the market yeah. for that, that show. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. But I, I think it all goes back to that, just that age old saying of, you know, trust is earned, right? Mm. So there is always at the start, there's always that like, look, I, I don't care about the process. You know, what we want is this. But you've got to build that trust over time and ensure that you can deliver and say, look, you know, by, you know, by X date, we'll have a product that, turns on and you can turn it on from your phone or whatever. And as long as you can go back, the, the beauty again of IoT products with the iterative, iterative delivery is you can sit there with a the product on the desk and go, look, you know, there it is, I've turned it on, I've turned it on and off on my phone. Right. Yeah. It, you know, that's cool, right? So you've got that ability to do that all the time um, and show, show what's going on. And it's a quick quick demo as well. It's, you know, it's not like you sat there in front of managers going, is all the code and uh, this is what this does and this is you know it's how AWS works like now look here's a yeah here's a boiler here's a controller here's my phone on off on off on off and it's working right in front of yeah them, right? and they go away and go brilliant yeah exactly yeah it's like great I can that's that's amazing yeah I can see it working yeah good and and that period after going live with MVP and presumably that was a period of iteration for you guys was it sure. yeah what what was that look, what did that look like and how did it go down with the market when you first went live. Yeah, really good. Yeah, it's absolutely yeah. So it was it was a clear sort of um, step on with technology. So yeah. and you know, ideal such a strong brand mm. anyway, right? Um, but yeah, it, it went down really well, you know. And because you know the 
the product looked great. It worked. Yeah. Um, you know, and the, the, there was support there as well. And it, it was clear, you know, those features were things people wanted. So it was easy to use um, for the people who didn't want a complex product, but also had a mobile phone app that you can get on Google Play on the App Store. Um, and, you know, it's got, got Alexa and Google Home integration. So it's got those core features that, that people want. And how did you collect feedback then from people? Because presumably households up and down the country were using this. How did you? try and harness that feedback and build it back into the product? Oh yeah, lo loads of different ways. So, um, you know, we, we test it. I saw a little bit about one of the previous podcasts about testing, right? Mm. So one of the testing phases is field trials. So, we, you know, there's field trials going on all the time. Um, so yeah, live trials have maybe done, you know, early tests with the earlier products and then we build them up to like the final release product and things like this. So you gather all that from hundreds of sites. Mm. So you gather all that. Um, Equally, it's been very close to the customer service team and the customers at the time of launch. I mean, close to that feedback at the time of launch to see the the trends of the feedback and maybe, maybe things aren't going quite right. Mm -hmm. And it's seeing that also, you know, beauty of the app stores. Let's look at the feedback, see what's coming back, right? Yeah, yeah. On Alexa, on iStore, on, on Google as well, right? So you look at all that feedback, um, so you got all of that. It's, it's, rich rich availability of feedback sounds really stressful all of the, the whole thing from start from ground zero to delivering a product that's going out to you know mass consumer mm. um in your side tom you know no experience of of you know iot at that point and then right yeah go and deliver a start and then waiting for the feedback people vote with their feet don't they mm. that just sounds i have to answer to you and a couple of other people but, <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds way more stressful to me it, and it, you haven't it, got a great hair unbelievable oh, i know they, yeah it's only just because i've got fresh fade <laughs> <it's like, laughs> um it is stressful yeah it was um so again i'm gonna nick what the guy said on the software testing one it's like you get people telling your baby's ugly right yeah because yeah. you, 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 you spent all that time all that effort uh, and you don't get emotionally invested in these things. You try not yeah, yeah. to, you try and separate yourself, but you can't help it because you're there all the way through and you're like, because you what you look at it from a drawing or a 3D, a drawing on a piece of paper from a designer to like a 3D rendering. And then you see it in your hands and you're like, oh, wow, we did this, guys. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at it with the team, you go, look at what we've done. This is amazing. You know, we've got a product from nothing to something that connects to an actual boiler and I can talk to my house and it turns out, <laughs> you know, right? You know, we're living, we're living in a sci-fi movie. We've done this, right? Um, but then occasionally, you know, you get people that feedback. You go, oh, it's rubbish. You know, don't work. Oh, you know, what load of rubbish? Oh, you, you know, I don't like the colour of the app. Or, you know, it's been like, oh. <laughs> So how do you handle that then? Um, like you got to try and take the emotional and, and figure out, figure out what people are trying to tell you. So you, 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 you you can get two-way communication, so with field trialers and, and, and on the, the Google Play Store, you can comment back to, to reviewers and say, oh, you know, sorry, it's not working out. You know, can you feed back to us? Or maybe, you know, is a, is a customer services email address, can you drop in what's going on? And we'll try and fix the problem for you. Um, sometimes that doesn't work, but, you know, you've got to take the emotion out of it and go, right, okay, well, you know, maybe it's not great. Mm -hmm. The beauty of it is, though, the other side is you get glowing feedback. You know, yeah. people say, oh, man, this is amazing, brilliant, looks great. We float home. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> amazing, yeah, and you're like, great. Luckily, you know, a, a lot of the good feedback out is the bad, but mm. there is that, and it's inevitable with any 
software, any IoT product, someone someone is going to be happy about it. Yeah. And then today it's part of the process, isn't it? It's, of course. You want the feedback because it is an iterative development process. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That, yeah. That's that's the thing. Is it's a bit bit stayed but feedback is a gift right yeah. <laughs> um, but it is especially with software products because there's a lot of feedback you know so some of it's probably not great like someone might just say it's like rubbish yeah like, well thanks for being that, so that, yeah. constructive yeah yeah that's not really a gift but <laughs> someone might say oh you know i've had a problem with you know the way this i've controlled this and and some people will be really really articulate what what they're not going on with it's mm. brilliant right that's great and you know you look for patterns and see if other people have the same issue you're like brilliant this is perfect because then you know you can go back as a product owner go back to a developer and say right this is the issue how yeah. do we fix it spot on so um if you look back because every big project i've done i always look back and think i should have done this wish i'd not done that yeah what what are the lessons that you've learned during that project it's an interesting one. So, well, just what we've talked about is trying to take the emotion out of things a little bit because it is—it's hard to, especially when you're a developer. You know, you're working with a team to develop a product, so it's hard to take the emotion out for sure. Um, and then I think you know the the critical things that I had to learn along the way, which I'd wish I'd learned earlier, is the ability to discuss with stakeholders about features and how to prioritize them. Um, is something that you have to learn. Um, and early doors, perhaps it was a challenge, and maybe I was a little too swayed um, by the stakeholders, perhaps. Um, but you know, you learn that along the way. And go right, okay, no, this is this is what we need to do. You know, because uh, there's a certain amount of uh, technical debt, which mm -hmm. is a term, right, um, that you need to pick up on and go look. If we do this now, it's going to make the product better. Like six months from now, it's going to make the development process easier. So if we do this now. We're going to buy ourselves time later. Yeah. So you've got to be able to articulate that as well. So I think those are the two main things, but definitely trying to take the emotion out as much as possible. Yeah. Okay. So you you then moved on from Group Atlantique. Yeah. And you moved to Siemens. Just talked about, I know, not detail, but what is it you're doing at, at Siemens at the minute? Yeah. So Siemens, yeah. So a new opportunity for me. So I am a SaaS team lead uh, for the UK services team. Okay. Uh, so I work for digital industry software. Okay, and what does that software, high level, what does digital industry software do for Siemens? So Siemens do, there's a whole raft of software that Siemens offer, so um, out there, um, so PLM, which is uh, Product Lifecycle Management, so there's okay. a whole heap of different software out there, but um, Team Center is the one for Siemens. Yeah. Um, there is CAD software, so NX CAD uh, is what Siemens do, but there's a whole raft of other softwares as well, so simulation software, IoT products, um, local development products. Um, there's a whole heap of things that Siemens do in, in software. So I've got, a, got my work cut out um, and all of it is moving to SaaS uh, yeah. eventually, right? So okay. it's not already SaaS, right? And you play a similar role there in terms of product owner, defining the vision or? No, not at all, uh, you know, complete di different moves. Okay. So um, I'm part of the services team that's overseeing all the uh, all the processes through all the UK teams around how we work with our SaaS products and how we deliver them to our customers. Okay, amazing. So more of an overarching sort of yeah, exactly. holistic viewing perspective. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite far away from the development phase now. So whereas Ideal, I was right there with the developers, you know, again, as you know, product owners right there every week yeah. with the developers talking to them regularly. I'm, I'm way away from that now. Do you miss that? 
Yeah, you, you yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it. Was great. I loved it. Yeah, it was. It was brilliant. I expect. I mean, it may have been that I got to work with a really good team of developers. Mm. But yeah, it was really interesting all the time. You know, looking at what they're doing, um, talking to them, prioritizing, talking to the testers, getting involved with testing. Mm. Um, you know, living in living in Jira probably for many hours of the day. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I did miss it. it. It was it was good fun, right? But you know, on to on to the next thing. Things. Yeah, actually, that leads me to a question because you you said you outsource the development, all of the development, or some of the development. Some of yeah, yeah. So the main partner for for Ideal at the time was was Source. Yeah. Okay. How do you decide which bits to outsource and which bits to kind of insource? Because there's all there's so many elements in terms of wireframing and design and the hardware build and the software development and the testing. There's all yeah. the different elements of it. How, was there a plan around that? There was a plan. I mean, largely, that plan was made before I was in the team. Okay. But that is, it's completely based on the resource you have internally and yeah. what specialism. So you can make the choice to do we recruit someone in or mm. do we recruit a team in? Or do we go outside and find a team of specialists who do this for a living, like so on? Yeah. And, you know, it's, um, I'm sure the guys at Sauce won't mind me saying this, but, you know, they've got an excellent team of developers. Mm. And so, um, you know, you, you look at that and go, well, do you go out and try and source a team like that or, or do you go out and, and outsource it and find, find people yeah yeah because again you know in Hull there's loads of talent around even yeah. you know in Hull it, it is crazy how much talent there is in Hull especially when it comes to IoT and software developers don't know why but yeah, it's great it could be to do with C4DI centre you know the the regeneration of the city but god yeah, so much rich talent in Hull hey, name check some of them then because I think it's a great platform to talk about Hull in terms of the tech scene because it is yeah it's increasingly prominent, I guess, on the UK scene. So who, who have you worked with and who do you see as strong? And you, you can leave Spectrum out this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one day I'll get to work with Spectrum, right? Yeah, but, yeah, I, you know, I'm not, I'm, I, I'm not supposed to source about this, um, so I hope they don't mind. But, you know, the, the guys at Source generally, all the owners, amazing guys, mm -hmm. like, super helpful. And they've got a great great team of developers that I don't know if I should name I don't know if I should name drop <laughs> but the, the, the team know who I work with and they're all amazing yeah. super super talented developers like yeah crazy and the, the way they did it you know is software development is a complex thing right mm -hmm. and it, it takes a lot of skill and a lot of intelligence and I'm sat there as someone who doesn't develop software and say look you know a customer wants to or, or you know we, we might have some complex requirements around around data because a lot of the IoT stuff is, you know, we get we get the data and we can see it um, from some sort of dashboard mm. within within Ideal. So there was a lot of complex stuff around that, and you try and go, look, you know, this is what we want to do. Um, and you have guys that are sitting there thinking about it maybe for a couple of minutes, and then they'll go, yeah, right, got it, and they'll draw our plan and go, this is how we're going to do it, mm. and they'll sit there and talk to the rest of the team. And you know, you might be there for half an hour, and they've really understood a complex requirement. That, you know they don't see every day they don't know boilers they don't yeah. know boiler data but yeah. they've gone right look this is the top level requirement you want and this is how we're going to do it and that blew my mind because mm. you know and you know you might sit in the office with them as well and watch what they're doing and it's um it's crazy you know these guys are, are writing code and then they'll demo to you and it it's a working app and it sends data live to my phone or mm. can tell, tell it's humbling is it when you're not a developer and you yeah. see them do what they do it's, yeah it's crazy yeah but this, it, this conversation is quite humbling, actually. <laughs>
but yeah yeah like I said I did, yeah I, don't, I haven't spoken to Sauce before now, so I don't want to name drop anyone or embarrass anyone but yeah I know the guys know who they are that I yeah. worked with and yeah they're, they're an amazing team yeah cool yeah. guys I'm back I just want to jump in and talk about a specific area of automation that we get involved in which is called RPA also known as robotic process automation basically what that does is it replicates human behavior so we use software bots to replicate human behavior so anywhere where you've got people or teams of people going onto different systems copying pasting data going onto web applications or portals downloading information uploading information any of that stuff tends to be rule-based go here do this do that and instead of using your people to do that actually you can use a bot to do that so we can train configure a bot to do exactly that process it's a massive growth area really exciting exciting technology Gartner talk about it as being the fastest growing enterprise technology in the market. Hopefully that's enough to pique your interest. If it is, get in touch, let's have a chat, see if we can help. If you think about IoT as a technology, because one of the things we try to do is think about where industry, where technology is going over the next sort of 10 years. Yeah. How do you think IoT will evolve, will change people's life at home or at work over the next 10 years? It's a broad question, isn't it? It's a broad question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, I mean changing life at home, I, I think you're just gonna see uh, on a consumer level, it, it's you're just gonna see more home automation for sure. Mm. And in your cars as well. Mm. So you can you know, you're already seeing it, but the you know, sending data back to the cloud in your car and being able to, you know, with electrification of cars as well, that's IoT is going to become, is already a huge part of that. But yeah, just just more and more home automation, it will just become the standard as well. And you can see it with with new builds, it will just become the standard. Yeah. So the standard thing in new builds is smart, smart heating controllers, you know, smart fridges, smart cookers, well, you know, it, it's, it will be the standard. There will be no more non-smart products yeah. there will all, the assumption is they will be smart you know how many TVs do you see nowadays that are just you just plug them in mm. and they don't connect to the internet they don't exist I think only my mother-in-law she's the only person I know that's not got a smart TV yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> to watch Netflix <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> this is it but yeah it, it's just it's just the standard it will become completely just what you expect it will just be everywhere that, that that's just the way it is right yeah. and you know you put two to your advantage, you will be able to see everything in your home, or you will be able to send data from your home to anyone you deem necessary. So it might be energy companies, it might be contractors that work on your house, mm. you know, whatever you need, you know, all of that. <clears throat> like it. You mentioned, or I asked you around the stress levels of <clears throat> of that role, you know, within Ideal, um, and you've said you don't mind discussing it. Sure. Obviously, you said you struggled with stress, uh, uh, you know, or, or depression. Sorry, yeah, sure. at, yeah. at one point. Yeah. Um, and then obviously you mentioned you had a, a health, you know, uh, ailment. Yeah. Um, that must be really difficult to to manage those two and your job. And yeah. How did you do it? Do you know, I look back and I, I don't know. Um, I, I think one of the things that. I don't know if it was like a cause or a way to manage it, but I look back and I had, you know, I had work, Tom, work face, and I had home life, Tom, and home face. And, you know, work, Tom, switched off as soon as he left the work gates, and that was a different person. And then home, Tom, was 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 different. Now, I knew I had some sort of 
issue around depression or something was one day just just driving to work and I just started to get really emotional for no reason. I just started, you know, I just just started, started crying. I was like, there's something all right. I don't know what's going on. Um, and there was a lot of things going off, but it is hard to it is hard to manage. But the main thing is to, you know, admit there's a problem and go and seek help and, and talk to someone about it and be open and honest about it. Especially as 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 a young man, it's sort of like, well, I just deal with it. Or, you know, it's a bit of a, you know, because my view on depression before that was, oh, it's just a bit of a weakness. You know, you just need to man up and, and yeah, deal yeah. with it and just get on with it and it'll, you'll get over it. But it's not that. You know, it's something, it's, it's an illness that you need help with. You need to go to talk to the doctors or a therapist, right? Um, but, you know, luckily enough, you know, I've got a great girlfriend. Went to see the doctors and they took it seriously. And I got to go to therapy and get medication. And that that's great. But, yeah, and, and I think part of it is, is having those two different um, personas. Didn't help. So it's more like now recently, certainly more once I've got, into my thirties and past my thirties is I will be the same person in both. On me. Yeah, yeah, in both scenarios. I might be a little bit more professional in my work environment. <laughs> might swear a little bit less, but um, it's still me. It's still who I am, right? Um, yeah. So perhaps that that didn't help. Um, but yeah, it, I still managed to get to work. Still managed to do my work. Um, but you know, I was I was unhappy, but I still managed to do it. I don't think anyone at work noticed there was a problem. I had to. Yeah, I told my manager about it at the time, but... Were there things at work that you think triggered it, or was it just, you just had to live with it during work? Um, it's a tough one. Perhaps, you know, um, stress at work probably didn't help, you know, expectations, the standard expectations at work. There wasn't anything specific about a role mm. that, that triggered it, but it's general stress at work, you know. And I, I, give, I have high expectations on my own performance as well. So it's perhaps, you know, harsh judgments on myself going, oh, I could have done better there or, you know, I've got a deadline coming up and, you know, I've got to do it, I've got to smash it. Um, so, yeah, that, that's, that didn't help. But, you know, there's other things going on at the time that, yeah, and, and it all just came to a head and it's like, right, you know, I've got to, got to, got to, got to deal with this better in a different way. Mm. Um, yeah, because it, it's leaking out into, into my personal life and, and, and things like this. So, you know, it's got to, and got to deal with it. And, and through your therapy, and obviously I don't want you to go into great detail, but through your therapy, have you, you mentioned that you've got high expectations of yourself and you know that you're constantly driving yourself forward and, and potentially sometimes beating yourself down for not achieving something which mm -hmm. could, could have contributed. Yeah. Have you, now that you're one Tom, yeah. and you know, slightly different, in work and, and out of work, just you know, as you said, have you um, have you found that you've still got the same determination and, and goals, but maybe you're a little bit lighter on yourself if something doesn't quite exactly happen? That. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, so yeah, exactly that. So I've still got that same drive of like I've got an idea of where I want to be and what what I can, you know, what I'm capable of. Um, but yeah, I'm a lot easier on myself. So it might be like, look, you know, might not might not get this thing done today or you know there's there's a deadline coming up and it's you know we'll get there but it's you know just just be easier on yourself and have more of a have more of a work-life balance right mm -hmm. right yeah i was gonna say are there any other um mechanisms that you use for coping so 
better work-life balance, reduce working hours? Oh, definitely, yeah, better work-life balance. That, that That's a big one, is being more, you know, uh, be more present with my family. Now I've got a girlfriend and a, and a son who's who's eight, eight years old now. Wow. Um, yeah, so being present for those guys and just 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 doing anything really. Mm-hmm. And then just recently, I've taken up golf uh, since the last year, so that's good because that's another. What I found with golf is that's another thing that's it's quite hard to learn, right? And it's hard to be good at. <laughs> so it's a good thing to challenge myself and and be like, right, this is a. This is a thing that's not going to affect anything I do at work. It's not going to affect how much I get paid, but it's a thing to try and get good at. And it's hard. I find it hard. Um, I find it very hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good distraction, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Because yeah. when you're out there and you're, you know, you're trying to hit the ball straight or, or yeah. things like that, it's, the focus then becomes that and everything else that's going on in, in your world goes away. And my problem is I love golf and I'm all right at it is that I then want to be the perfectionist in that and then yeah. I get home and I've shot a rubbish score and the wife's like, how, how was your day? Don't answer it, I can tell. Yeah, yeah. I've got a face out, that's my yeah. weekend. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so yeah, yeah. yeah. warning, mind that. <laughs> but I, I find myself in that headspace of, you know, you're getting better at golf, right? And I'm I'm getting lessons now from another hall boy, so Joe Coyle, right? He's, oh, he's yeah. teaching me to play He's a great guy, right? But um, I tell him all the time, you know, I get into this headspace of like, you know, you, you start playing shots better and you're like, and you might hit a, hit a real bad shot, terrible shit, you might shank it, you know. Um, and you're like, God, I can do better than this. And it's like, <laughs> but really it's like, no, no, this is this is your relaxing time. Just forget about that one and go at it, go at it the next one, yeah. you know. Um, so it doesn't matter, you know, I'm not trying to get onto the PGA Tour. <laughs> it's just, this is something to do to, take, yeah. you know, to, to entertain yeah, myself. We're meant to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just it's just having that that whole mindset again of like, that's okay. It's like, yeah, I probably can do better, but, you know, let's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, let's go again. I've only done this for a year. So, yeah, it's just <laughs> go, find, go find a ball. You're not going to be off scratching a year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'll just get a new ball out of the bag and carry on. <laughs> so... Going back to kind of you and your career, what do you have a clear view in terms of where you want to be in kind of ten years? Where, where do you where do you see yourself in terms of? Do you know what? No, and I think if I look back, cause I've been thinking about this leading up to this podcast because mm-hmm. I've been dead worried about like guys. Anyone going to find me interesting? Because uh, <laughs> I haven't done anything particularly exciting. But um, do you not know? And I thought as a younger man when I was in my twenties, late twenties, I thought right, I've got to have a five year plan. Because I look at all these other people, you know, people I used to go to school with or people on LinkedIn that are like, right, this is my five-year plan or this was my five-year plan and I've hit it and brilliant and I'm this director or whatever. It's like, I thought I need to have one and I was like punishing myself like, right, this is my five-year plan, this is where I want to be. I, no, I don't. I don't anymore. Um, and I, th- I don't know if it's because of the way my career has shaped or the way I've gone through my career because what I found myself doing um, is sort of plunging myself into jobs that or roles that I didn't really know you know I didn't have a lot of experience of beforehand or it might be a brand new role for the companies and gone do you know what talking to you Tom I think you'd be a good fit for this role um, I go yeah but I ain't got any experience of it they're like yeah but you'll be fine mm. just go do it so I've been like okay so that's what I've done um, I think in my head I know perhaps that I, I, perhaps you know I don't want to be you know chief officer or anything like this on you know board level management um, because I like being able to manage my time at where I'm at now Mm. Um, but yeah I think for now it's more about I'm going to keep going I'm going to keep pushing myself to be the best I can at what I'm doing at the time 
and see what opportunities come along from that, right? That, that's all right, isn't it? And I think there's a there can be a pressure on maybe lads, guys, that you have to keep moving up the career ladder. You have to yeah. keep going to C-suite. Why? Yeah, you, know, you don't have to work 60, 70 hours a week, do you? No. You can enjoy your life outside of work. No, exactly. And it's all part of that thing, that mental health thing for me. It's like, yeah, I like being able to turn my computer off at the end of the work day and leave my leave my computer on my phone, my work phone in my office and go sit downstairs with my son and my girlfriend, watch a bit of telly, ET, play a board game. Mm. And the next day, 9am, 8am, staggered. I like it. When you, um, when you were at uni and you were obviously doing your physics degree, did, did you ever, so I appreciate now you don't have a five, 10 year plan going forward, but when you were doing your degree, did you have a, a view of what you wanted to do? Because I often speak to friends or, or kids of um, friends and they're like, yeah, I don't really know what we're going to do. Mm. Which is obviously a, a typical kind of like 18, 19 year old. But when you were actually, and you may have already had a vision, but when you were doing your degree, did you kind of think, right, I want to go into software. I want to do that. No, and, and that's interesting, you know, and I've, 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 I've spoken to, I've been through the, um, uh, through the Institute of Physics, I've been able to talk to students and through all the university, I've been able to talk to students and say, one of my biggest regrets at uni, and I love uni, University Hull's great, excellent physics department, but one of my personal regrets is I didn't prepare myself enough to have a plan at the end of uni. Because mm. what I found is the people who I went to uni with on, on physics courses really had a plan in the last year to get themselves out there, go talk to prospective employers, um, talk about what they're doing, um, and, and spend that last year doing that and going to all these career fairs. I didn't do that. I did well at uni, loved, loved studying, got a good degree, um, but I just didn't do that career bit. I just thought, you know, I'll save that, I'll do that after. You know, I've got, I'll go out and I'll have a physics degree. Yeah. And I'll, you know, and it's amazing. Physics is brilliant. I'll be one of the, I'll be one of the best graduates out there. Everyone will be throwing jobs at me. It'll be amazing. Oh, it's not like that. <laughs> no one gives a monkey, right? Um, so yeah, but that's one of my biggest regrets is I should have been more prepared at the end of the evening. So I, I didn't, I, I, I thought I thought in my mind, I'll go use my physics degree. I, I tried to, um, tried to get onto the nuclear graduate scheme. You know, tried to uh, get a job at, uh, a laser manufacturer because my last year project was around lasers um, but yeah it just didn't work out that way and I should have spent a bit more time prepping you know the last six months in my third year mm. or oh, the whole year should have just gone out and done it and, and seen you know that my fellow students doing it and I thought nah let's go to the pub or mm. you know you know, do, do this instead but I should have done that and I'll I'll tell every student that I talk to tell them blue in the face like do that do that because it will make yeah. you know that you know, the small amount of time you commit to doing that will make a huge difference to what you're doing. Mm. That's not to say you can't be successful and not do that, because I've been lucky enough to be successful. But <laughs> as you as your CV says with all the blue check <laughs> companies that you've got on yeah. there, you're too bad. It will give you a head it will give you a head start, yeah, for sure. Yeah, agree. Wonderful. I'm gonna leave it there. But cool. Thank you very much for your time, Tom. My pleasure, yeah. Thank I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Right, before you go, I'm under strict instructions by our content wizard to ask you to like, subscribe, share, comment, do whatever you can to feed the algorithm. As usual, I'll see you next Monday at 7am for another really insightful conversation.